0: Well, today I thought instead of reading through the Bible together like we normally do, what we would do instead is uh, read through the Quran. I'm just kidding. April Fool's. It's April 1st. If you want to read through the Quran, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Because on this here podcast, what we do is we read through the Bible. But I don't want it just to be one guy reading the Bible. Yes, of course, it is my voice. Because for me personally, it wasn't until... I had somebody read the Bible to me while I was driving and working out and walking and living life uh, over the course of my daily life that I was actually able to read the Bible, which is why I'm reading it. Maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've been able to read all the way through as you listen. Uh, But the reason we do this podcast is so that you can communicate with me as well. I want to hear what God's doing in your heart, what's standing out to you. I'm inviting you into my devotional life, and I want you to invite me into yours also because I truly believe the Bible comes to life when we read it together. With that said, let's jump into the reading for April 1st in the one-year Bible, and we will begin in Deuteronomy chapter 18, again, as always, reading through the NLT, the New Living Translation. Remember that the Levitical priest, that is, the whole of the tribe of Levi, will receive no allotment of the land among the other tribes in Israel. Instead, the priest and the Levites will eat from the special gifts given to the Lord, for that is their share. They will have no land of their own among the Israelites. The Lord himself is their special possession, just as he promised them. These are the parts of the priest may claim as their share, of, their share from the cattle, sheep, and goats that the people bring as the offerings. So these are the things that the priest could eat. The shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach. You must also give to the priest the first share of the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and the wool at the shearing time. For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all of your tribes to minister in the Lord's name forever. So in other words, God's saying these Levites are going to be my ministers and so they're not going to be able to do the things you guys normally do like plant and harvest and hunt and all those things. Their job is to minister and to keep the sacrifices so they get to share in those sacrifices. That's how I will support them as they're doing my ministry. Continuing on verse 6. Suppose a Levite chooses to move from his town in Israel, wherever he is living, to the place the Lord chooses for worship. He may minister there in the name of the Lord his God, just like all his fellow Levites who are serving the Lord there. He may eat his share of the sacrifices and offerings, even if he also receives support from his family. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, and do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psyches. Psyches. I don't know how to say that word all of a sudden. Um, You can go back and read it for yourself, and maybe you'll have better luck than I do. That is chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, verse uh, 11. Moving on. To verse 12, anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Verse 15, Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise you up for a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, or see this blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, What they said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another god must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. When the Lord your God destroys the nation's This is chapter 19, by the way, verse 1, whose land he is giving you. You will take over their land and settle in their towns and homes. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Survey the territory and divide the land the Lord your God is giving you up into three districts with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of these cities for a refuge of safety. If someone kills another person unintentionally without previous hostility, the Slayer may flee to any of these cities to live in safety. For example, suppose someone goes into a forest with a neighbor to cut wood, and suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down a tree, and the axe head flies off the handle, killing the other person. In such cases, the Slayer may be may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. If the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an array, enraged avenger might be able to chase down and kill the person who caused the death. Then the slayer would die unfairly, since he had never shown hostility toward the person who died. That is why I am commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your ancestors, and gives you all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. He will give you this land if you are careful to obey all the commands I have given you, if you always love the Lord your God and walk in his ways. That way you will prevent the death of innocent people in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. You will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. But suppose someone is hostile towards a neighbor and deliberately ambushes and murders him and then flees to one of the cities of refuge. In that case, the elders of the murderer's hometown must send agents to the city of refuge to bring him back and hand him over hand him over to the dead person's avenger to be put to death. Do not feel sorry for the murderer. Purge from Israel the guilt of murdering innocent people. Then all will go well with you. When you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, you must never steal anyone's land by moving the boundary markers your ancestors set up to mark their property. You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of one of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness comes forward and accuses someone of crime, then both the accuser and accused must appear before the Lord by coming to the priests and judges in the office at that time. The judges must investigate the case thoroughly. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelite, you must impose on the accuser the sentence he intended for the other person. In this way, you will purge such evil from among you. Then the rest of the people will hear about it and be too afraid to do such an evil thing. You must show no pity for the guilty. Your rule should be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Chapter 20, verse 1, when you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. He will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them for the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you a great victory. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, "'Has anyone here just built a new house but not yet dedicated it?' "'If so, you may go home. You might be killed in the battle, and someone else would dedicate your house. "'Has anyone here just planted a vineyard but not yet eaten of any of its fruit? "'If so, you may go home. You might die in battle, and someone else would eat the first fruit.'" Has anyone here just became engaged to a woman but not yet married her? Well, you may go home and get married. You might die in battle and someone else would marry her. Then the officers will say, is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. I love that. If you're scared, go home so we don't get scared. Fear is contagious, my friends. Verse 9. When the officers have finished speaking to their troops, they will appoint the unit commanders. As you approach a town to attack it, you must first offer its people's terms for peace. If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, you must attack the town. When the Lord your God hands the town over to you, use your swords to kill every man in the town. But you may keep for yourselves all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. You may enjoy the plunder from your enemies that the Lord your God has given you. But these instructions apply only to distant towns, not to towns of the nations in the land you will enter. In those towns the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession destroy every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Prezerites, Hebrites, and Jebusites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. This will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs and the worship of their gods which would cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. When you are attacking a town and the war drags on, you must not cut down the trees with your axes. You must, you may eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. Are the trees your enemies that you should attack them? You may only cut down the trees that are not valuable for food. Use them to make the equipment you need to attack the enemy town until it falls. And as we end our Old Testament reading there, you saw a word... Of encouragement, a life verse, if you will, for environmentalists, which is, are the trees your enemies that you should attack them? I love the sarcasm Bible. I love it. Moving on to the New Testament, Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 50. It says about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the clouds covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at the time what they had seen. The next day, after they had come down from the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? And then he said to the man, Bring your son here. I could just feel Jesus' exhaustion with humanity there in verse 41. Moving on to verse 42. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. All gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, "'Listen to me, and remember what I say. "'The Son of Man is going to be betrayed "'into the hands of his enemies.' "'But they didn't know what he meant. "'Its significance was hidden from them, "'so they couldn't understand it, "'and they were afraid to ask him about it. "'Then his disciples began arguing "'about which of them was the greatest. "'But Jesus knew their thoughts, "'so he brought a little child to his side. "'Then he said to them, "'Anyone who welcomes a little kid like this "'on my behalf welcomes me.' And anyone who welcomes me welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. Beautiful verse on unity there at the end of the New Testament. Moving on to uh, Proverbs 12. Verse ten, it says the godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel. And finally, uh, today we will be in the seventy-third psalm. It is one of the longest psalms. Readings of the psalms we'll read. So instead of praying throughout, I will probably just read the entire psalm and then at the end give a short prayer as we end our reading together. But I would encourage you take the time today to sit down with your Bible and verse by verse read through and pray through this psalm. It says a psalm of Asaph, verse one, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They are not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. <laughs> I love verse 7. I'm going to read that again. That's awesome. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. We all know people like that. So you fat cat, you have everything you want. Verse 8. I don't know why that's so funny in my own head. hope it's funny to you listening. Verse 8. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and the words strut throughout the earth. And their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I try to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and finally I understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path, sending them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Yes, Father, as we read through that psalm, how relevant it is. Uh, I almost feel like I could have wrote it today. People that I wonder, you know, how are they so lucky to be that rich and that powerful and to have it all? And it can be easy to start throwing a pity party and say, you know, I'm doing the right thing. And yet, God, you're, you're helping those who are wicked. And yet this psalm is such a beautiful reminder that ultimately, Lord, if we have Christ, if we have placed our trust in Him, if we have seen our need for Him, we are a beggar who needs His grace. We take upon the righteousness that He has given us through the perfect life only He lived in the death, dying the death we deserved and rising again, promising us a future hope. Lord, if we have that, we have everything. And all the things, the people we look up to in the world, whether it's money or fame or power, those things all fade away. They will all eventually die. Their money will be gone their health will be gone, their power will be gone, and yet, Lord, at the end of it all, what remains, and that is you. And if we have you, we have the only thing that remains. Lord, how gloriously blessed we are. A thousand times richer I am than the richest man on earth because of what you've done for me in Christ. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, friends, what a beautiful reading here for April Fools. It is no joke, the love of God. I'm sorry, that was a corny dad joke that I am leaving you on as we close out our reading for April 1st. Join me back tomorrow for the second day of April. Hope that your day is blessed and that you are better off for reading the Word of God. Let me know your thoughts. I truly want to read the Bible with you this year together as a community. So get with me. Let me know what you think about our reading for April 1st.